All right, so we have a podcast today with Brian Alzru from Never Say Athletics. Part one is going to be on this channel, and part two is going to be on his channel. So check out the link below for part two. It's going to be a little different today, also just because we're going to have just audio, but we're going to have video clips throughout it to keep it interesting and to show some visuals. Also, Brian is definitely an in-the-trenches kind of guy. He's been doing this for a very long time. And so we start off talking about goal setting and mindset and setbacks, and then we get into some practical tips. Um, I would really highly recommend you go through this, even though it is just audio. He has a lot of great insight into different aspects of the lifting game. And like I said, he's been in this for a very long time. So I hope you guys enjoy. All right, everyone. So we have Brian Alzru with us today. He is a two-time Strongest Man in Maryland. He's been to Nationals six times, and he is the owner of Never Say Athletics. So welcome, Brian. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, happy to have you on, man. And uh, so for today, we are going to have my donation go towards Lenny Lifts. Um, you, you and I had talked about that, and Joey yep, Mary had also had that uh, donation as well. Um, so basically, the idea behind Lenny Lifts is um, it's, he has AMRAP for awareness. The idea is autism awareness. And so for that, basically, all the donations go towards helping people with autism and specifically towards, it's called the Geisinger Autism and Developmental Medicine Institute and other local autism charities. So I think that's an awesome choice, and thanks for bringing that up. Absolutely, man. And, and uh, the guy who's putting it together, Lenny, has been a, a fan of mine and a supporter of mine for so long that when he had such good calls, I was like, it, it's a no-brainer. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. And uh, I just wanted to kind of get your background. So I had first seen you on Omar Esau's channel a couple years ago. Um, yep. You had an overhead press video that, you know, we'll get yeah. into some of those tips later. Um, but I just kind of wanted to hear your background on how you got into the strongman and getting into YouTube, all of that. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, I, I've been lifting, like you mentioned. I've, I've been lifting, I guess, about 25 years now. I started when I was, like, 13 to 14 kind of age, like everyone else with, like, the little concrete-filled weight set of my generation because we didn't have, like, cool weights back then. Right. Um, anyway, uh, I was inspired by, like, He-Man, Ninja Turtles, like, comic books, things things normal young men are, and I got into lifting. Um, kind of carried through because I was into martial arts as a young man, and... Um, at the time, there were, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies and stuff where having muscles and being able to, like, kick things was really cool. So uh, that kind of determined the track of my life. Um, and then uh, as I got out of when, – when I was training in college, a little bit after college, um, I was at a gym where Mike Jenkins, who is was a professional strongman, uh, was in the top echelon. And he actually um, – was a good friend of mine. We went to high school together, trained together at the same gym, training partners. And then one day on uh, Thanksgiving, he got up to like World Challenge Man. I think the best finish ever for him, I think, was fourth in World Challenge Man. Anyway, um, he died. He died one Thanksgiving morning and was a young man who was like 35 years old, died. And then um, I had always told him when we were lifting together back at the gyms that I would do a strongman competition with him. But like I said, I was kind of involved in like MMA kind of stuff. And I saw strongman as just big fat guys. And right. I was like, well, I'm not 6'8 and 400 pounds. I don't really know how I'm going to compete there. Um, so I, I was like, yeah, yeah, Mike, I'll, I'll do it with you someday. I'll do it with you some way. And um, anyway, I never did it, right? Mike moved away to Pennsylvania to go get married and follow his strongman career. I went away and did counterterrorism for 10 years. And we kind of separated Anyway, when we got back together and we were both kind of back in our home states again, um, I 
a common friend was going to have a Christmas party uh, where Mike and I were going to get back together, and we were going to literally talk about me doing my first strongman show. And then uh, that Thanksgiving before that Christmas party happened, Mike died. So I was sitting in the funeral uh, just crying and going, I promise this dude, he's been a friend literally for years. I was like, I promise this dude I would do this my whole life, and he's met so much of him. I was like, and I never did it. And so it was like weighing on me, of course, as things do when you're sitting in a you know church pew watching, looking at dead people. And uh, so I, I, I literally at that moment decided, like, I'm going to sign up for a strongman competition. I've never done one strongman move in my life. I've lifted weights. I do fighting stuff. I'm athletic. But I'm going to do a strongman competition. So literally that week I signed up for my first one. Um, the week prior to the strongman competition, Mike's wife invited me up to their gym in Pennsylvania, where she actually showed me like what a farmer's handle was, what like a strongman log was, what Atlas stones were, and uh, the next weekend I went up and competed. And uh, ever since then, it's kind of been a whirlwind. Wow, that's awesome, man! Yeah, I knew uh, I knew you had a martial arts background. I, I didn't know that whole story though. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and you're how old now? I'm 38 right now. 38. Okay, yeah, because I know um, when I was talking to Joey, he he was just telling me how impressed he is with how well you're able to move um and obviously i'm sure your athletic background helps there absolutely oh i I didn't even talk about the youtube thing but the way that got involved in youtube was i was um i had a very big uh following at t nation i'm I'm sure you probably heard of t nation oh yeah i was big Um, on there for a while right um so on that i i posted as alpha was my little surname on the um training log board and it was a very very popular training log so I got a big following there. However, that meant absolutely nothing once social media came and everything like that. And uh, people did not believe that I could move the weights that I could move and do the things that I could do, the athletic things while moving weights and stuff. So I literally started the YouTube channel as a way to shut people up. Literally, I, uh, I just posted my lifts. I wouldn't show my face because I was doing counterterrorism at the time and I couldn't show my face. So I always had a hat on. That's where the hat comes from. That's why I always have a hat on now. Um, I couldn't show my face. And... Uh, so the first, I guess, probably like four or five years of my YouTube channel, I never said a word, and it was nothing but my lifts. I also got about 300 subscribers, so that, that worked out really well for me. Right. Yeah, actually, that's funny. I, I think, what year was that, roughly? Because I was on Teen Nation for a long time, and I think I remember the username Alpha. That's kind of funny. I literally was there from the beginning until, uh, I, I still post there randomly now. Um, but yeah, it, you can literally go back and see my entire like 12 year training career on there because I literally posted like every workout it was crazy so like I mentioned before I had kind of gotten in contact with you through Joey Zatmary um, and then Alan Thrall had also mentioned you and then I had first seen yep. on Omar so how did you connect with all these people was this just you had your own YouTube and because they had things on YouTube you connected or how did you get involved with them and even I saw you working out with Brian Shaw too which is pretty awesome yeah um, my, my life is uh, very strange how things work out. So let me say that. I'd say that my path is probably not going to be most people's paths. And I think a lot of it is because I put in more work than anyone is willing to. Um, And so amazing things end up happening that seem like they're amazing, but they're not. They're literally like years and years of preparation. You know what I'm saying? Like like every overnight success, there's a lot behind it that people don't see. But the way that I got kind of popped on YouTube was I realized that I was never going to, people did not care how strong you were on YouTube. It didn't matter if you lifted a world record. If you didn't have personality, they did not care. So I knew that I need to start speaking to camera. So I started doing that. My, my subscribers kind of started going up, but at that time I was trying to grow that because I had opened my gym and the gym wasn't doing well. And I was like, 
we need to figure out some other revenue streams to make this thing start to work. And uh, so the YouTube thing, basically, I was just looking around at how other people were gaining subscribers, and it seemed like you needed to be able to do collaborations. However, if you're involved in the YouTube world, you'll know you get so many contacts a day. Like, I literally get probably 200 emails slash DMs a day, and if it's some random person saying, hey will you collaborate with me it's it's tough to see that and that's at my level at someone at like omar's level like seven times the size it's it's got to be completely overwhelming so it's very tough to set up collaborations with people um so what i thought i'd do is just continually make comments on certain people that i really admired that i like their channel someone like alan thrall is like i'm just going to keep commenting on alan's channel so at least he recognized my name if somehow the stars align down the road he'll he'll recognize me and we'll go right and um so one time he put out a q a asked for questions for q a and i i asked a, a question that no one else was asking Everyone was asked about deadlifts and stuff and i was like alan when it comes to a youtube channel how do you go from like a thousand subscribers to like ten thousand subscribers because that's your hardest jump you know is is when no one knows who you are and so he put out this this great answer to me on the Q&A, but when he did it, he mixed me up with somebody else. He thought he had seen a video of me almost killing myself with a 315 bench. And I didn't care that, that he messed I, I'm, I'm a 500-pound bencher, so I was like, I don't know when this would have been, you know? Um, he realized his mistake, called it out on the channel, and said, um, no, this guy is Brian Alzer. He's doing a lot of cool things on his channel. Uh, sorry for the mistake. He contacted me and said, hey, man, I'm sorry that I mixed you up. Would you mind doing a video for my channel? And so I did a programming video for his channel. He released it there, and that was my break on YouTube. I went from probably like, I'd say like 2,000 subscribers to probably like 5,000 subscribers. And then I contacted it out and said, hey, man, with all the money that I've made through this, like I'm going to try to buy a plane ticket, come out and see you and do a real life collaboration. Is that cool? He's like, yeah. So I went out, spent all my money, literally spent everything I had to go out and try that. Uh, while I was out there, I met up with Mark Bell, got to do the power cast, meet all those people who I'm still in contact with now. I, um, and it's just, it's been a, a crazy thing like that. And it literally was just because I was willing to spend 15 hours a day contacting people or, commenting or, or just putting in the work, putting in the content, doing all. So it really, uh, it's just been such a crazy road, man. It's, it's, I, I literally, if you would have told me five years ago that I'd be standing here right now, like I'm getting ready to leave for the Arnold to go help out Brian Shaw. And, uh, I don't know if you've seen the internet recently, but there's a guy with cerebral palsy who just did a 200 pound deadlift at 99 pounds. That was at my gym with he, myself and, and this other guy, Nick, coach him. And Arnold Schwarzenegger just invited us both to Arnold to come hang out with him. Wow. So, like, all of, like if you would have told me five years ago that I'm going to go hang out at the Arnold with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Brian <laughs> Shaw, I probably told you you're on crack, right? Right, that's But awesome. if you continually put the work in, I'm telling you, the universe moves out of the way of people who know where they're going. Yeah, man, that, that's an awesome story, and I totally agree with you. I mean, there's so much, there's so many examples in life like that where it's, you know, you can be great at something, but so much of it is about connections, and of course, you got to have the work ethic, um, but, you know, knowing the right people, and, you know, like I said, sometimes it is random luck, but a lot of times it's just, you know, continuing to grind and having those connections, and one leads to the next, and it just kind of blows up from there, so that's, that's awesome, man. Dude, I, I also firmly believe, like, like you just said luck and I do believe there is some luck in the world but uh, I think I don't have a lot of it mm -hmm. I think most people don't have a lot of it you know what I mean um, 
what I will say is, is even something as simple as like YouTube, a lot of people want to be a big YouTube star, want to be a, a big social media, Instagram, whatever they want to be. Um, however, whenever people talk to me about it, I'm like, how much content do you have? And they're like, well, I only have like 20 videos because I don't have that many subscribers. And I'm like, but what happens if tomorrow Arnold reaches out to you and says, hey, man, I want to I want to put you on. So uh, tell me your Instagram, tell me your YouTube, whatever. And you only have those 20 videos and you get in front of two million eyes and you aren't prepared for that type of success. You haven't done the work. Right. So you have to do the work when no one's watching. And then amazingly, something will come up and then you you blow up just because you've been working and then somehow worked out. You know what I mean? So um, to anyone that's listening to this that wants to be great in either lifting or YouTube or social media or whatever, like put in the work. No one's watching. Just put in the work day after day, minute after minute. It doesn't matter. It's going to pay off if you do it long enough. Yeah, totally agree. And and that's actually kind of a good segue into the next topic I wanted to talk to you about, which was goal setting. I know you had a recent video of why goals suck, and I was you know kind of tongue in cheek um, because obviously you do set a lot of goals yourself. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And you know, for me too. I mean, I related to that because you know I don't know if it was maybe my you know parental influence or what it was, but I was somebody who was setting goals from a very young age. Uh, when I first got into this endeavor, like I said, I was about twelve. And I had a the Body for Life book my dad gave me. And I was already writing all my goals down on a note card at 12 years old. I would walk around with that in my pocket. And it's just goals have always been a huge part of my life. And I've been very driven. And, and obviously talking to you, I can tell you're extremely driven as well. Um, so I was going to say, you know, what do I guess maybe talk a little bit about that video. Um, but where do most people make mistakes with their goals? Um, I, I would say 100%. A lot of people set goals without having any real vision of a an actual path to get there right so um you and i do not live in the same state so if i was going to come see you i wouldn't just jump in a car and be like west feels pretty good <laughs> you know what i mean like i i need to actually look at a map or or something and go okay i'm gonna need to make a left here or right there like i'm on this road for a while like People never do that. They see what they want, but they don't understand that in order to get that want, there there's a long road that typically gets there, and you can wish all you want, but I'm I'm sure, as your grandparents said, you can wish in one hand, and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I just feel like a lot of people set their goals without a path. Now, the other thing that I will say is once you have that path, people get very impatient, and uh, they specifically get impatient about checking the progress as they go. That's why things like Fitbits and counting your macros and all that kind of stuff is so popular is because it makes people feel like they're doing something, but it's the illusion of productivity for busyness. Um, Same thing like if you're on this road going to your goal and you continually step on the scale to see if you're gaining weight or losing weight or you're always looking at whatever whatever the case may be. I mean, you you know what I'm saying there. Mm. Um, I truly believe that most people would get their goals a thousand times faster and enjoy the process more if they just put their head down and focused on the next workout, the next set, the next whatever, the next, the, the very next thing. And then uh, just compile a bunch of those situations. And then let's say after 50, after 50 workouts, then you pop your head up and you check that scale or you check your body fat or you check your PRs or, or whatever your, your goals are headed towards. I think that would get people so much further than this constant emotional up and down game because 
anyone who's ever been successful at anything will tell you there are three things that get you there. It is hard work, it's patience, and it's consistency. That's the only way anyone has ever achieved anything outside of like winning the lottery. Right. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think um, what you said in your video was, is completely true. And a lot of people, they have, it's almost like they look at it like the, the typical New Year's resolution. You know, it's like an idea that they like the idea of it. And, and that could go yes. for anything, even like the things that seem really cool, like being on YouTube, right? It's like, oh, I'll just make videos. It's like, man, like, but the behind the scenes of that, there's way more work involved. And, you know, uh, being an athlete, right? Okay, it, it looks so cool to be on TV and be this professional athlete. Well, 95% of the time, they're doing grueling practices. It's not all glamour. And they, I think people have, they, their goal is the idea of something and not the steps that it takes to get there. And they often just don't view those steps and, and consider it when they're setting goals. A thousand percent. I think another thing that people don't realize is the amount of talent and skill and time that it takes to do the things that, that seem like normal. If, if you tell somebody that they want to be an NBA, if they tell you they want to be an NBA player, you're like, all right, kid, you better start shooting three throws constantly, right? Like, you need to be doing that all the time. You need to be have some special gifts. You need to be tall. You, you know what I mean? There, there's some things that you're like, there's a path for that, an archetype that you can follow, and you're, you're going to go do that. However, when people look at something like running a gym or being a YouTube personality or an Instagram star or making money on those types of things, like you're doing with this podcast, like it is extremely hard. There's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes, but everyone thinks that, they would be able to do it. But that's the same thing like the person who is 12 saying, I'm going to be an NBA star, believing that they have the power to do it. Like, it's only the people who are willing to put in the time and the effort in no matter what it is, whether it be losing 50 pounds or being a YouTube star or whatever the case may be, the people who put in the work are the people that actually achieve it. Everyone has that dream. Everyone sees what it is, but it's only the people who really understand that they don't have the talent to pull it out on their own by like throwing out some stupid viral video. They they're gonna have to grind. They're gonna have to put in the time, the content, the the research, the, everything that you're doing to make this this podcast successful is exactly what you're gonna need to do. You know what I mean? Totally. Unfortunately, you're not Kim Kardashian, <laughs> right? You know, and for everyone else, we need to work. And a lot of people don't realize that. They're like, well, maybe I am Kim Kardashian. You're not. I'm here to tell you, you're not. You would have been found out already. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to do the work. If if you're not a star just by walking down the street, you got to work. Right, right. And and you and I, before we uh, started recording, talked about setbacks. Um, you and I have both had some some pretty serious setbacks in our lifting careers. Um, and you know, for me, I'm probably about 15 pounds of muscle below. Uh, my peak and and so that makes it pretty hard from a motivational standpoint because you know it's just so far from where i was um and you're going through some some medical issues now too that have set you back so can you just maybe touch on that a little bit and and how to stay on track when we're dealing with that you know those mental um issues there absolutely man um so to, to fill in anyone anyone who's listening um for about 18 months, I have thrown up 30 to 50 times a day, every day. Um, they have no idea why I'm working with people at Johns Hopkins. Um, some of the some of the best doctors in the world uh, are dealing with it, and no one has a clue. Okay, um, so before uh, this, you get bombarded with 10,000 people being like, "Is it this? Is it that?" It's not. All right, <laughs> uh, they've tested for it. It's not that. Uh, we're trying to figure it out. But this, uh, when I look at my last big competition was 
August in 2017, where I weighed in at 273 pounds. The vomiting was going on at that time, but it's only gotten progressively worse since then because of me not being able to hold nutrients in my body and things like that. I've had to have five surgeries since then till this date. Um, and I went from 273 pounds all the way down to 218, and now I'm stabilized right around 230. Um, so my lifts have obviously uh, sustained some massive hits during that time. Um, and uh, to be honest, man, I needed to change my perspective because for a long time there, it got pretty dark. Not saying it doesn't get dark at times now with all this vomiting and life's pretty miserable at times. Um, but when your your whole identity is built around being a strong, fast, powerful, athletic guy, and now you're no longer that strong, fast, athletic, powerful guy, you kind of have like a little bit of like a crisis Mm -hmm. where you're going, wait a second, this isn't me anymore, who am I, and all these things, right? Well, I got to go through all that, having a bone marrow uh, infection on my couch where I was pretty much on house arrest during one of those five operations. Um, and dealing with all this, I really had to look at my life at as like, am I a competitor? Is that what gives me worth? Do these PRs give me worth? Why do I train for real? Like, the last PR is coming for anyone who doesn't know. Like, time wins, you know, time beats everybody, and eventually it's going to catch up that that last deadlift PR that you got will be the last deadlift PR of your life. And that will no longer be what motivates you. Um, so you need to learn how to enjoy the process at some level and learn to train for something other than big biceps and PRs. Otherwise at the end of a 20 year journey, you're just going to have a broken body and you won't have learned anything. So, um, a lot of what I'm training for now is more my mindset. And, uh, I, I still go very heavy. I still do very impressive things, and I'm, I'm still probably considered one of the top in the world um, in my weight class for, for my sport. That said, uh, like we discussed earlier, my numbers comparatively where they should be uh, are laughable, and it's hard every single day. So I just need to reframe my mindset, and honestly, that whole tick mark goal setting thing is, is what really gets me through it. Whenever you're going through something very hard in life, the best thing that you can do is just focus on the very next step. Don't look at it as a whole because that becomes completely overwhelming. And, man, I'll be honest with you. If I look at where I was to where I am to where I probably will be in five years, it's pretty depressing. You know, it's it's not it's not a good path. But I can look at where I am today and just become the best person I am today and the best person I am tomorrow. And hopefully 50 best days later, I'll have made something. You know what I mean? But if I look at it as what I've lost to what I have to what I don't have, man, it gets pretty weird in there. And uh, I just I try to stay away from that because I try to stay as positive as possible. Because if you're not positive, then you are you're playing on defense in life. And that's that's no place I want to be. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm sorry to hear that you're having all those issues and I can definitely relate. And um, something you said is kind of something that I had thought myself, which is, you know, you're only 38. I'm only 27. So I don't think either of us really thought that at that young of an age, you'd really run into all these issues. Um, no. Right. And it's crazy. Right. But um, yeah. but one thing I thought about as well, as far as trying to stay motivated in the gym, eventually it was going to happen, right? Maybe not in, in yep. such a dramatic way, but eventually you're going to get weaker. Eventually you're going to lose muscle. And hopefully yep. that doesn't get you out of the gym. You know, hopefully you're a lifetime lifter. And so the way I, I kind of tried to rationalize it was, you know, at some point you're going to have to accept it. It's just come earlier than you thought. Um, and yep. you, you got to find other ways to motivate you. Cause I mean, obviously we, everybody should be in the gym um, and you just find something that works for you to keep you in there. And honestly, when it, when it comes down to it, man, um, it, it's about self-awareness, too. Like, a lot of people are 
living I, I think about um there was a documentary like a pumping iron type of documentary on netflix where there was this dude who lived out of a van outside of the venice beach golds and uh he was like i'm living the dream and he's like 70 years old or something and i'm like bro like at some point in your life you needed to realize that you are not going to make a living off of lifting weights right i realized it like i just know that i personally love my family and my friends and i have a gym that matters to me and the whole situation there i'm not willing to sacrifice what i would need to sacrifice to become as good as i could be you know what i mean so i'm happy being pretty good uh but also i i realize like sacrificing all that doing those drugs doing that to my health isn't something i'm interested in doing so uh i needed to find some other way to find happiness in this i think a lot of people are looking at this like they're going to the next larry wheels or, or whatever and i'm like unless you're willing to do what larry wheels is willing to do or you're like or you're 38 and you're thinking that you're going to be gaining 900 pounds in your deadlift between now and 2020 i you need you need some perspective you know what i mean yeah 